Hello and welcome back to the Quacked Out Pod. This is Charlie, joined by Reed. Reed, we got a Friday game this week. How do you feel about that? Uh, as someone who is addicted to watching college football, it's pretty nice, honestly. I get to watch Ducks all night Friday and dissect that, and then I get a stress-free Saturday of other good games. So I'm happy with it. You? I'm in the exact same boat. Couldn't have said it better. Uh, there are a lot of good national games that we'll get to later on in this. Also, a lot of really good Pac-12 games as well. Uh, we'll get to those eventually, but obviously we're going to start with the Ducks here. Um, we don't have to go over the quarterback situation. We've done that like the last three or four episodes. Uh, we pretty much know what it is by now. Mario's rolling with with AB. Um, but it does kind of underscore the overall theme that a lot of Duck fans want to see. Mostly the, you know, when I'm when I'm talking about duck fans here, I'm mostly talking about the more invested minority. I think it's safe to say, uh, the the message board warriors and stuff like that, um, who want to see a bunch of younger guys out there. Whether it's a quarterback and a bunch of other positions, a lot of people were maybe let down by the depth chart that we got today. But yeah. honestly, I'm. I'm not really, and don't get me wrong. I'm one of the, I'm in that same boat. Like I, I want to see a lot of the younger players play, especially in a game like this. Um, I'm not surprised at all that uh, to see the depth chart that we saw today, which if you haven't looked includes a whole host of familiar faces. I would pull it up right now. If, uh, if I were you, um, who are some younger guys we might see in this game that maybe didn't like get moved up in the depth chart the way a lot of people hoped for um well i mean i think i guess technically these guys got moved up but for me obviously you know the the youth movement is going to have to start at running back where we don't really have a choice but to play those guys um and so you know that's the guarantee on on friday is that we definitely will see some of those younger backs rotate in i think that the other places is wide receiver. We're still hoping to see, you know, Troy Franklin, Dante Thornton, people know the deal there. Um, and then, you know, Brandon Buckner on the defensive side um, is a guy who's played really well as an edge rusher. And if this game gets out of hand, you could easily see some of him. Uh, Swinson returning is kind of a guy we mm-hmm. thought was more of a young guy coming into this year, but I, he's become, you know, a bona fide a key piece on this defense that we've really missed these past few weeks with him out. So his return is definitely something I'm anticipating as well. What about you? Uh, I want to see Jabril McNeil get more inside linebacker reps. He's listed as second right there. And maybe even Jeffrey Bossa. Both of them are listed behind Keith Brown right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of know what we're getting with Nate at this point uh, and Noah as well, obviously. Um, of course, it's still good to see Keith get reps himself, so I'm, I'm hyped to see that too. But just more consistency across the board is what I want to see, obviously. Um, and with that being said, like my upshot with that statement is that I want this to be a blowout so that we can get some of those guys in mm-hmm. a lot quicker. Uh, yeah, of course. Of course we all do. Of course, yeah. Like, you know. Um, Jason Jones is an obvious name, but he's been playing a lot this year already. Uh, Keanu, mm-hmm. Keanu Williams, some of the younger um, O-linemen who have been getting rotated in and out, but maybe don't get as many consistent snaps. 
Um, yeah, that's that's actually a really good call. I think um, some area that I, I in in kind of listening back to our our roster preview show from I guess a week ago, um, I think that that O line rotation is something that is is an area where there could be some movement potentially. Um, I was looking over the PFF grades a bit on with that Oregon O line and um, the interior has been pretty good. TJ Bass especially has been a real bright spot on that O line. Um, And we all know about Jackson powers. Johnson is probably the guy who's coming on most from the young guys in that offensive line room. Um, And, and we'll see a bit of him, but I think the tackles have, you know, despite the rotation, all four of those guys have not played up to, the standard that I think that, you know, Chris Ball and Mirabal expect being O-line coaches. Um, and so maybe Kingsley gets healthy and he comes on fast. Uh, and this could be an opportunity to, you know, get his feet wet in some real live action. That's definitely something to watch too. I like that call a lot. Yeah. Jalen Jeffers, Bram Wald, and a couple other younger guys uh, at those tackle spots. Speaking of future tackles, um, I saw on Scoop Duck today, which is a great site. You should go check it out. Uh, Cristobal and his team were hot on the recruiting trail during this bye week. Uh, Cristobal himself went to see Kelvin Banks down in Texas. Um, he spent some more time around Texas. They visited uh, TMAC in Arizona. Um, Landon Hullaby got a visit, although his game got canceled. I'm, I'm going off memory here. Do you have some other ones that you can think of? Uh, other players on campus? Or uh, no, just, that they, they were did. visited. Yeah. Um. Oh man, I forget right now, but it, the list is all over on Scoop Duck. I mean, that's the place. Yeah, to it be was if in Jay Hop's latest juice. Go check that out. Uh, as for guys on campus, um, Tanner Bailey's going to be the headliner, obviously, since he's the quarterback. Um, he had a really good interview with Jonathan Charles. You should go check that out. Jonathan's a guy who's been on our pod uh, a number of times. Um, Jaleel Tucker and Isaiah Hastings will also be in attendance, uh, Florence as well. And Sir Mel's Jonathan also tells us there's a secret recruit coming. Uh, so we'll know who that is a little closer to game day, but something to keep an eye on. Um, something that I've noticed that like a lot of maybe more trying not to talk down to people when I say this, some more seasoned fan bases might be more dialed into that kind of thing. Uh, whereas Oregon, we're kind of new to this whole, like, top five recruiting class thing we're still kind of getting our feet wet so um hopefully we can start making a few more lists about that uh in the weeks and years to come but um just something to keep an eye on there i think it's real quick just to zoom out of the roster a little bit um i think it's going to be a great atmosphere in there i'm super hyped i haven't checked the weather Mm -hmm. out of fear for rain but um it'll be a blackout Hopefully everyone actually wears black. That would be nice. They're going to do the whole light show thing again. That's going to be fun. Um, so hopefully it'll be rocking. And of course it's Friday night. Like who, who won't be excited for Friday football, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. With that in mind, I don't know how this is only a 13 and a half point spread, man. Like I understand we got some injuries. I understand we got some quarterback issues, but Cal is a bad team. Mm-hmm. They're one in five. I- I, I think that's true as well. Um, four, yeah, I, I do think that's true. I mean, you know, the obvious elephant in the room is that Oregon lost this game last year. Um, 
And we don't need to go into that necessarily, but you know, that that was a game we didn't expect to lose at all. And we dropped it. Um, and th- yeah, this Cal team's weird. I think, you know, they are one and four, but they played mostly close games against not horrible teams. Um, Nevada, TCU, Washington, they all lost one possession games there. Uh, and those teams aren't, the, at the bottom of the sport, at least. Um, I think that the performance against Washington State two weeks ago was their most disappointing, for sure. Uh, and in general, they're not they're not trending in a positive direction. So I, I agree with the sentiment that Oregon should win by a lot more um, if they're really the, you know, ninth team in the country like the AP has them at. It's definitely a game that should be, you know, probably 20 points or more um, margin of victory by the end, I would say. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about the best team in the Pac-12 so far. I mean, if you want to argue Arizona State, you won't because you're an Oregon fan listening to this podcast, Um, then whatever. But Cal is a bottom three Pac-12 team at this point, and that is – yeah, that's – not a very good thing considering who the bottom two are uh and shoot in two weeks maybe they will have claimed the bottom spot because they play colorado after this so Mm -hmm. again this is a team we should be blowing out i don't care what the spread is um it should be more like three or four touchdowns like whatever just go out there and ball out and get a win get a big you know make some big plays have a big performance don't let mm-hmm. them into the game in the in the second half like we did with Arizona. Um, dominance is kind of the key word for me this week. Uh, and I might even move on this 13 and a half because that is just so low. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I think it's a good bet for Oregon for sure. Um, even if, you know, I think there's a realm where this is even a disappointing result, you know, similar to the Arizona game probably. Um, mm-hmm and Oregon still covers, right? I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I think that I could still see this being another troubling game for the Ducks where, you know, it's a 10-point game in late into the third or something, and that mm-hmm. would be bad uh, based yes. on where this team should be for sure. But even if it is that, I still think that the Ducks, you know, probably pull away late. Um, it'll be kind of interesting, that dynamic, especially given – you know, cave on Thibodeau. Usually this would be the type of game where you say, okay, he comes out, really makes an impact. Maybe this team gets rolling and we don't have to see him much in the second half. But of course, after the targeting call two weeks ago at Stanford, he mm-hmm. won't be playing for the first half. So that'll be interesting. Um, he, maybe he comes out fresh and has even more of an advantage in the second half. I don't know what that will look at like, or maybe he, doesn't really get much of a chance to play, hopefully, if the team is dominating already. Um, but, yeah, I mean, yeah. overall, like, this is Cal, man. They're terrible. I know we've had some rough games against them in the past few years. Like, even with Herbert in 2019, that was a really ugly, like, I want to say, like, 17-3 to win or something like that. Um, that was an ugly game for sure. Oh, it was just gross. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I have faith that Mario can 
put a more exciting performance together for this team or that the team can put a more exciting performance together for Mario. Um, overall though, I'm just most excited to have more head back. Uh, his absence was sorely missed. I don't know if you had a chance to rewatch for the Stanford game, but it kind of just emboldened for me that like, man, we need our primary play caller back and then we'll kind of figure out the rest from there. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. I think it is, um, definitely is tough to know exactly how much of a difference that made, but it's clearly a pretty important thing. Um, And especially with that Stanford rewatch, um, you know, I was checking out QB 11 stream, of course, uh, which if somehow you haven't listened to this podcast, we plug it basically every episode. Um, But it was interesting, especially um, one thing that, that kind of they mentioned was that Anthony Brown had missed some pre-snap motions, calling them into, you know, starting the offense by calling, let's say CJ Verdell motion into the backfield, like we often see this offense do. Um, And that was a really weird thing. Uh, One of those things that, again, you don't expect the sixth year senior to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And, I don't know if you saw this as well, but it was interesting that Hifliday in the chat said something about, you know, maybe Anthony Brown is dealing with, you know, a pseudo concussion the past two weeks after the Stony Brook game. Mm. I think, I think that's personally kind of veering into, you know, a bit too much speculation probably but Hitler's point was you know if you were to assume that a lot of what we've seen from Anthony Brown versus Arizona and Stanford makes a lot more sense Mm -hmm. Um, and so even if it's not a concussion I think that that observation from a guy like Hitler who watches more Oregon film than anyone um, outside of the coaching staff of course tells me that you know Brown even though he has limitations in general, looked particularly off in those weeks against Arizona and especially against Stanford. Um, And so maybe that has to do with the offensive coordinator. Maybe it's another reason. Maybe it was classes starting or whatever it is, you know, who knows? Maybe they overlooked the Is he taking classes? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Well, he probably has to take something, but you're right. It probably is. It probably is. Taking basketball. Coloring or something. Um, (laughs) I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe not. But yeah, it's just interesting that he looked that different these past two weeks. Um, And that's, that stuff's just, really weird to see him make those sort of mistakes. And that actually, you know, one time in particular was on that pass that was such a bad interception that he threw straight to the defender. And it kind of, you know, it was good in a way because it made me think, okay, well, maybe he just forgot to do that. His head wasn't in the right place, which is bad, obviously. But you know, maybe that part of the play being broken, CJ isn't motioning to that side. And all of a sudden you look over there, you're like, wait, CJ isn't there. Oh, I forgot to motion him. You're kind of like broken play mm-hmm. and Before compound a mistake, yeah. you know? Um, and I guess that to me is, is better than having it be just a structured play where you just make that read. At least you're a little flustered. It, 
again, the results still very bad, but um, yeah, it's just weird. Anthony Brown has been a little off after, again, we saw him in Ohio state. We've been over this so many times he played pretty well that game. And if he plays like that, we can win all the games in the conference. So I wonder if after bye week, whatever it is, he gets his head head right. Maybe we'll see him come back and have more of that form that he had early in the season, especially at Ohio State. Yeah, and one thing I want to back up, or I I want to back up what you're saying with uh, some PFF grades here because you finally showed me how to use this correctly, and my our <laughs> subscription can actually start paying off. Um, his his offensive grades take a nosedive after that Stony Brook game. Um, Mm -hmm. It goes from a pretty stable, like 70 down to like a 60 and down below 50 for his last game against Stanford. Overall, he's got the second worst completion percentage out of all PAC 12 quarterbacks. Um, Mm -hmm. And the worst one plays for Colorado. Uh, (laughs) That's not good. Um, Not good at all. Not, not good, good at, at all. all. Uh, the passing grade is 13th out of 15, and the two guys below him are both Arizona quarterbacks, McLeod and Gunnar Cruz. Uh, although one thing I do want to mention, and this is something I found interesting, PFF also records uh, drop percentage. So this is the percentage of passes that are dropped by his receivers. If you had to guess off the top of your head, what do you think that number is? I'll give you a hint. It's the, um, it's the second highest in the Pac-12 out of all QBs. So like this isn't his fault. This is his receiver's faults. You know, I'd say mm, maybe like eight or nine. It's eleven and a half percent. It's pretty high. Uh, yeah, that is pretty high. Dropping more than one out of every ten passes—that's that's not very good. And I mean, last last I almost said last week, uh, last game we saw some of that. You know, Terrence Ferguson drops the first down when we're in our own territory. Um, probably a couple more that I've already purged from my memory, but I mean, you get the point, like his receivers aren't necessarily helping him in that sense. Um, it can also yeah. count as tight ends too. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't divide them by that kind of position, but I think that's kind of an underrated thing that we haven't really been talking about uh, as a fan base, just because we're so focused on how incompetent the passing game is overall that, you know, the catching game is part of that. So that's definitely something I'm, looking for improvement with in the next game yeah no doubt um let's talk about go ahead yeah well i just wanted to say you know a few more things just on what we can expect from cal and and again kind of how we handle this is you know in the big games like ohio state and stanford was unfortunately uh we really dig into the details and in the other ones like this and Arizona were a bit lighter, but you know, it's worth mentioning a few things that you'll see from Cal on Friday. Um, on the offensive side, their receiver play is, is relatively solid, to be honest. Um, they have a good amount of talent there. Um, actually, you know, I, I've been working on my recruiting comparison piece for Scoop Duck, and, and I think they have uh, five four stars combined. Um, at wide receiver and tight end, mm-hmm. uh, which is of, you know, 10 total four stars on their roster. Um, and not all of those are playing right now, but that tells you, you know, that as far as talent goes, 
wide receiver is a relative bright spot for this team. Um, and so that'll be interesting to see. Uh, Oregon obviously fared pretty well against Ohio State, which has the best receiver room in the country. Um, and the other part of that equation in a passing game, well, there are two parts, but one of them is quarterback, obviously. Uh, and Cal there is is pretty average. Um, probably that's even putting it nicely uh, for Garbers. Um, but, you know, in terms of the Pac-12, he's, he's a serviceable quarterback, you'd say. And he obviously did enough to beat this Oregon team last year. Um, but the Cal yeah, pass – well, yeah, what were you going to say? Real quick on that Ohio State point, um, a lot of people saw the uh, explosive play measurements in the passing game. Uh, some – I think it was like – I don't know. I don't remember what account put it out on Twitter. But um, Ohio State is number one in the country in ex- explosive passing, which wouldn't surprise a lot of people. What might surprise a lot of people is to remember that Oregon stopped that. I mean, yeah, we gave up 600 yards or whatever in the air, but I mean, we limited their explosive passing plays. I mean, by memory, they had one over the top where um, Mikhail's checking his wristband, and then, you know, they had a couple, I mean, not even a couple others. I think there was maybe one other. So, again, yeah, the game lot, plan for this, that yeah, the game plan for this range. defense is to give up a lot of yards, just not t- mm-hmm. points. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. continue with Cal, yeah. Yeah, no, that is certainly the game plan for this defense, which obviously has infuriated a lot of Ducks fans, if, you know, for those on Twitter would know that. Um, But, yeah, going on with Cal, uh, you know, an area that Oregon can exploit is their pass protection hasn't been that great on the offensive line. Um, And I think that this is a game for Oregon's edge rushers and linebackers to get you know, really get back. Um, a lot of them are going to be more healthy, obviously. Unfortunately, Kayvon missed the first half, but Swinson uh, is is a big-time pass rusher. Um, and this could be an opportunity just for that unit to kind of come back, be healthy, and really impact this game. And hopefully that vaults them into the point where they're ready for the bigger test uh, at UCLA a week from now. And I mean, speaking of PFF grades and speaking of defensive line, um, Popo Omave and whose name I'm still probably saying wrong and Dorless are the two highest graded uh, interior defensive linemen in the, or maybe defensive lineman period in the entire pack 12 so far. Um, so they can do some damage. I, I haven't checked up on Cal's run game very much. Uh, but I'm looking at it right now, and I mean, it's actually pretty decent. So if we can shut that down, we should be fine in this game. Um, obviously, they'll run it all over a team like Sac State, but uh, at the end of the day, they really haven't faced a team that's anywhere close talent-wise to Oregon. Uh, I guess maybe you could argue Washington, but I mean, let's be real. That team is not <laughs> not at the same level as Oregon. I think it's still safe to say. Um, yeah. So if we can shut down the run and make Garbers air it out, that's the key to success on defense, honestly. Yeah, Um, for sure. And and, limiting explosive plays like we've been doing. Yeah. And there's no elite players uh, or, you know, I mean, there's some good players that receiver, like I said, but overall this Cal unit is, you know, it's, it's got solid receivers in a run game, but 
the O-line's not very good and the quarterback's not very good. And ultimately, those two pieces are pretty important in having an effective offense. So this team, you know, with the talent discrepancy, shouldn't be able to do much against Oregon. Uh, and so hopefully we see the Ducks, you know, show out and and turn that kind of on-paper advantage into reality. Um, let's talk about the other side of the ball, Oregon's offense against Cal's defense. Again, we've chronicled the struggles of AB. We, I said we wouldn't get into it, and we still got into it on this pod. Um, but it's the guys around him that I think can really benefit going forward. Obviously, with Burdell out, you know, that – that hurts the running game a little bit. Come to think of it, that's probably where this this point uh, spread comes from, is more Verdell than anything, and Kayvon missing half the game. But even yeah, so, probably. I mean, we've seen that Die can carry the load in big games. Um, I do trust these freshmen with the Rock. I want to see it with all three of them, uh, McGee, Cardwell, and Benson. I want all of them getting more carries. It's not just a young guy thing. I mean, I think they can actually help us quite a bit. Uh, we've seen it a lot with the quarterback comparison of like, oh, throw the young guy in, you know, let him get some reps. Mm-hmm. I've given the Michael James comp before with these guys. I really think that can make a huge difference for them, it, getting them a ton of reps in a game like this. So that's something I'm looking for. Cal's defense is nothing special, I think. Mm-hmm. Kinda... They have they have a few good players here and there. Daniel Scott, their safety, uh, and Elijah Hicks on the other side are both good players for sure. Um, and they've got a few pieces on the defensive line. Uh, the linebacker is pretty weak, and and overall, like you said, I mean, as a as a full unit, this defense for Cal shouldn't pose any serious problems for Oregon. Um, I think what you said about Verdell impacting the point spread is interesting. And quite honestly, you know, um, I mean, we all love Verdell as Ducks fans, but the truth of it is I think a lot of people outside of this fan base and program are a bit higher on Verdell than the people inside of it, at least Mm -hmm. relative to the production that we are going to get from those freshmen. Um, because we've seen Verdell for so long, we know what he is and we know what he isn't, I guess. You know, he, yeah. he's a very yeah. good back. He gets the job done. Uh, he runs hard. He falls forward most of the time. But his vision isn't elite. Um, his speed, breakaway speed, is not elite. Um, and there's hope that, you know, with some of those younger, high, more highly rated backs um, that – they could be really effective in this offense. And I think having Travis die there to lean on and those other guys is a perfectly, you know, suitable pac 12 backfield. Um, and so I'm not that worried about it. Honestly, I think that uh, obviously Verdell will be missed, but there's also a large part of me that's really excited to see those three young backs, whoever gets out there uh, and see what they can do. Worth noting as well that uh, in uh, scoring defense, Cal has the second worst scoring defense in the Pac-12. Uh, they're second worst in passing yards per game given up, and they're third worst in total yards per game. So, again, this should not be – well, 
you know what's funny is guess who's worst in total yards per game? <laughs> Oregon. But um <laughs> in, in but, total yards per game defense, you said? Yeah. The difference but, but, is we're third best in points per game on defense. Yeah, and, and let's be honest about that. I mean, one, it's the off it's the defensive philosophy that's kind of a bend don't break system. And then two, I mean, from a yardage mark. Ohio State absolutely murdered us on offense, right? If you just were looking at that one metric. But we all know that's not the case. Honestly, Oregon's performance against a really good and talented Ohio State offense to hold, hold them to 28 is one of the most important, impressive defensive performances of the year, I think. Yep, especially, um, again, without KT, without Dino. Yeah, and in Columbus. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so yardage doesn't tell the full story. Um, and for Oregon, they've happened to, in part because, you know, that's their philosophy on defense, given up more yards than is suggestive of the other team's success, moving the ball on them or scoring on them. Um, a couple other things. Cal's given up tied for the most passing touchdowns in the pack 12 with 12, uh, the two other teams who have reached that mark, though, are UCLA, terrible secondary, and USC, also terrible secondary. Also, both those LA schools have played six games, and Cal's only played five. So, again, but <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that about UCLA, and and you know, frankly, this Cal game ultimately is a tune-up game for UCLA. Get off the bye week, get your feet back under you. You know get warmed up, uh, take that extra day that you'll have. And then we got to go into UCLA and win, you know, because uh, I don't think people are considering this a game or a result that should be in the balance. Um, but this is not a very good secondary and UCLA's is not a very good secondary. Unfortunately, Oregon's passing game hasn't gone going yet. Uh, now's the time. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. if we want to win that UCLA game, which we obviously do, the passing game's got to show up to play. I mean, at least they do if we want to be convincing with it. You know, if they don't show up to play, I think there's still ways we could win. But certainly that's a big weakness for UCLA. And it would be a shame to not be able to really capitalize it, capitalize on it if our passing game doesn't come to play and isn't ready. So. Hopefully we see some progress with it this week and we see that, you know, even more improve uh, when we travel down to the Rose Bowl. Any other uh, position groups or individuals that you want to touch on for Cal? Not really. Um, you know, like I said, the safety, some of the D line, but I mean, ultimately Oregon should have an advantage here. Um, it's just the honest truth of it, right? So, yeah. yeah. Again, we, it, it's tough like doing these previews the way we used to because, I mean, we can't really go over spot for spot like where Oregon has an advantage, relative advantage or disadvantage in terms of talent because uh, it's always going to favor the Ducks, honestly. <laughs> so, um, okay. You got a prediction for this game? Maybe a score prediction? Oh, man. Um, you know, I think that it's probably 
probably and hopefully in the 40 to mid teens range, you know, like best case scenario, or may not best case, but you know, a good thing would be a, a 42 or 45 to 14 type of game. Mm-hmm. I think more likely is probably like a 38, 17 type of thing. Um, mm-hmm. So that's probably where I land, I guess. What about you? I don't know, man. I, my chaotic brain has been taking over this a little bit. Um, you know, where you, where you kind of just like look at the things that shouldn't pertain to the matchup, for example, like past results, you know, it's been close the past couple of years. Uh, we got a certain history against Cal. It's like almost a rival, but not really. Cause they're, they just yeah. don't really have a fan base. Um, <laughs> And that's some good players, but I mean, honestly, how many Cal fans have you met in your life? Not, not many. I mean, I, the few casual Portlanders who like went to Cal, but even they probably can't name more than five players on the team if we're, if we're just being <laughs> honest. Um, I don't know, man. Like my, the, the number I was thinking of was right in your ballpark, like 41-13 was kind of the official prediction I was going to go with, but mm-hmm. – how about just like 42 to three? I think I'll, I'll I mean, it it's entirely possible. I mean, I'm thinking yeah. of a game where, uh, what was that, 2009 when we beat them by that score at home? Like, yeah. You know, why right. couldn't we just have a little bit of an outlier of a performance like that? Give me 50 to zero. I'll take yeah, it. That'd, that'd be awesome. Or 15 um, to zero and we cover. Yeah, I think that'd be awesome. I think this defense has had a weird thing where it it's given up a lot of first-half touchdowns that have been a little weird, um, even against Stony Brook and stuff, you know, where it's they shouldn't be scoring on us and the defense has just kind of come out flat for a drive. So I think Cal probably has one of those in them. Um, but ultimately, I mean, if it's like what this team really should be doing, uh, this team has every ability to win this game, you know, 49 to to 10 or whatever it is, you know, yeah, they can yeah. play in the forties and they can keep Cal to basically single digits uh, is what they should be able to do. And because I just, we haven't quite seen it from Oregon in any game outside of Ohio state. I think that it's going to be a bit closer than that. Um, and even my, you know, even my 38, 17 is a decent bit above the spread for this game, mm-hmm. uh, for what reason those guys in Vegas think this one will be a little closer than we do. But I, I trust our ultimately, I think Oregon's a good team. I think that people don't realize quite how much injuries have hindered, uh, this defense, especially. And I think that, I I just think that Oregon, you know, the talent on their roster, all these things, I think that they can be a legitimate top 10 team. And I keep going back to what we saw in Ohio State without Cave on, with Flo being ruled out early that week, and Oregon really delivering maybe the most impressive result of the college football season so far. I guess that could be argued now with Texas A&M's win. But ultimately, the all this – you know, noise about Ohio State not being very good, and we talked about this last time, was complete BS, frankly. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, what 
when were they not good? They played Minnesota yeah. and won by 17. And Minnesota's team's been worse since then, not horrible, but worse in part because their best player, the running back, got injured late in that game. And their backup then, running back's gone too now, I think. Yeah. And then they lost to Oregon, obviously. We know what happened with that one. And then they had one letdown game after that, basically, and after, which is which is directly a result of Oregon beating them, I would say. And since then, they've looked like the top five team in the country that everyone said they would be, not against the best opponents. Um, but honestly, who is favoring Penn State? Who's favoring anyone in the Big Ten over Ohio State right not now? Not I. Not I. Uh, not me either, and I don't think – you know, the smart guys in Vegas are either. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, who would have thought, if you had told me a month ago to the day, we're recording this on Tuesday, October 12th. Uh, so a month ago to the day would have been the day after the Ohio State game. Would have told oh, me a in a glorious month time that like the sky was falling a month later after beating uh, Ohio State and that we'd had one overtime loss on the road against Stanford. And just with all these shitty circumstances and absences, like I would call it an overreaction by the fan base. And so I, I think it is a slight overreaction to right now. Um, I understand a lot of people want to hold this program to a higher standard, but we're just not there yet. Uh, a place we are though, is being able to beat Cal. So, and smash <laughs> Cal. So let's, yeah. let's just go out there and do it. Um, God, I had one more point, but it slipped by me. I can't remember what it is. Uh, oh, I remember now. Uh, for any other Vegas heads or anyone interested in odds and betting and stuff, 60% of the uh, spread money is on Oregon. So not a huge margin even. I mean, there are a lot more games each week that have a much larger uh, percent of bets. Just for example, I'm going off the Action Network sheet in front of me. Like San Diego State's eight-and-a-half-point line, they're, they're getting 91% of the bets on that. Like <laughs> – these these clips can vary quite a bit based on um but for public money it's kind of interesting that the public is also not all the way on board with Oregon winning this game by two scores or two touchdowns that is all right um anything else you want to say about this matchup before we move on to some Pac-12 stuff uh no uh I mean my big takeaway would just be Ultimately, Oregon has seven games in front of us and then a conference championship game. If we want to claw us back our way back into the playoff, it's about taking those games one at a time. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately, like we said, you know, we know the expectations for Cal, what this team, team can do, what's maybe likely, what would be disappointing. Uh, but take your wins if we get them. And the more important thing uh, ultimately for me is, is going to be winning the games that are losable. You know, it, it, dropping the result to Stanford, I care way more about than people who want to nitpick, you know, us kind of playing with our food against Arizona and Stony Brook. And I'll feel that same way if we, you know, don't put it on all the way versus Cal, but we come out and we play really well versus UCLA. I'm going to care more about that. Um, but ultimately, you got eight games circled on the, ta- on the table, you know, and um, just try to check those off week by week and see where this Oregon team can get from there is, is my mindset. Exactly. Uh, we're, you know, we can look ahead because we're not playing a game <laughs> or anything, you know. <laughs> uh, 
and I, I don't think any Oregon players listen to this, although I, I did meet a few, quite a few of them at Fathoms last week. You can see some guys uh, from high school. Okay, Pac-12 picks. Let's do it, baby. Um, this will be our fourth consecutive week of picking all the Pac-12 games. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I can refrain from, from uttering the records if you want. Um, I'm, I'm at seven and six, which is nothing to brag about. But seven and six against the spread, though. I mean, that's not bad. Yeah. Am I at, what am I at like five and eight or something? Four and nine. Four and nine. Oh. You got some catching up to do. Yeah. We, we should just go with the pick straight up. It's so, <laughs> so much easier, man. People well, do that. I have, and then I have good news for you, Reed, is that three of these Pac 12 games this <laughs> week are basically straight up as is. Good point. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, let's start with possibly the worst power five matchup of the year. Um, as Arizona goes to Colorado, uh, <laughs> this one surprisingly made Pate's best bets. Uh, he has Arizona at like plus seven Cal's Cal's a touchdown favorite at home for, or sorry, Colorado's a touchdown favorite at home for this one, mm-hmm. uh, to 1230 on the PAC 12 network, which there aren't a ton of great um 1230 games so you should be able to fit this one in if you got a yeah you got second a third screen, screen or something third screen yeah yeah you know maybe iowa puts it away against purdue and you can throw that on i mean georgia's going to put it away against kentucky so yeah you know shoot throw throw the pac-12 network a bone um and check this one out uh <laughs> arizona's last win i was digging this up for my um Oh, geez, somebody just started their very loud car right next to my window. Uh, For my Emerald column this week, I was doing around the Pac-12 power rankings, Mm -hmm. and uh, I actually have Arizona above Colorado. I understand they might not win this game because it's in Boulder. Um, But interestingly enough, Arizona's last win period as a college football team, it was 2019. And it was in early October, and it was at Folsom Field in Boulder. Um, this was when Khalil Tate was still on the team. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, little different. A little bit different, although Colorado's defense – or, sorry, offense might be even less competent than Arizona's. That's oh, okay. oh, yeah, I think they are. I mean, Colorado they're ridiculously this... incompetent. Colorado has the second worst um, yards per game average on, on offense in all of FBS college football. That's 130 teams, not just the power five. Of uh, course they do. Of Reed, course can you name do. the team that's worse than Cal on offense? Uh, UConn. No, good guess, though. It's Louisiana Monroe. So, oh, my God. Or I guess it's Monroe something I don't, you might know oh 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 i know that's oh right that's one of the that, that was in the absolute gauntlet that coastal carolinas ran through already yes correct i think they beat him <laughs> last week yeah <laughs> um so who you got in this one man i'm taking arizona and the points oh i'm yeah i'm taking arizona for sure too <laughs> bad mcleod's out because because if he wasn't i would be more confident but i still think yeah. i mean what Colorado's favored by what now? Seven. Seven. Oh, it was it got a little higher than that 
for a second, I think. It's been around. Oh. It's been anywhere from like four and a half to seven and a half. I think right now it's yeah. like six and a half, but we'll just, just mm. call it seven. Um, yeah, I mean, with Colorado, if they're favored by more than a touchdown, like, are, are we sure they're even getting to seven offensive points? That's what I was going to say. I don't <laughs> think they can score a touchdown. <laughs> like, this team is bad. bad. Yeah. So you get anything from Arizona and you should be in a pretty good spot. Uh, and it's not like, I mean, Colorado's defense is in Georgia's, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe if the Georgia defense is out there with Colorado's offense, they, they would be, you know, pretty solid, but I mean, still, it's, I mean, uh, maybe some A&M hangover is affecting the spread a little bit. I hope not. Cause that's not how it should work, but, um, yeah, man, this Colorado team is very, very bad. Um, yeah. All right, Stanford's going up to the Palouse. Uh, Nick Rolovich, this this could be his last game. I believe the no truck stops said the cutoff for him is um, like two days after this game. Like that's when he's going to like have to get vaccinated unless his exemption gets cleared, which I think it, public perception is that it won't. Uh Wazoo's won two games in a row. Um, they opened 0-2 in Pac-12 play against USC and Utah. Uh, then they beat Cal a couple weeks ago on the road and beat Oregon State at home last week. How are you feeling about McKee and company going up to Wazoo? I don't know, man. I, I think Stanford is perfectly competent, and they have a quarterback who is – pretty good i mean i think um i think he's pretty good you know he was really underrated to start the year and i think he's maybe become a slightly overrated um because mm. so many people have latched onto him i'm not sure he's like far and away the best quarterback in the conference or anything uh but i you know he's good um he's definitely yeah. good and oregon would take him um but I mean, I don't know. I'm pretty sure I'm going to get this wrong, whichever way I pick with how it's been going. That just seems like, I mean, luckily I'm not putting, (laughs) luckily I'm not putting real money on this stuff. Um, But maybe I'll, maybe I'll go. It's Stanford one and a half Stanford by one and a half. I see. What's your pick? I'm taking Wazoo. Uh, I don't really have a rhyme or reason for it. I just think that um, if Rolo's going out, he's going to go out on a high note, you know, just because that's what happens in the Pac-12. Weird shit. So I think some weird shit is going to happen. All right, I'll t- I'll take Stanford just because I got to get okay. back into this some way or another. <laughs> so I'll pick the I'll pick the shot in the dark. Will be my uh, rivalry matchup against you. <laughs> nice, I like it. Um, Wait, might just- what? What? I'm I'm just looking at the spread for this next game. Oh, really? That surprises you? Uh, that Stanford game, by the way, is 4:30 on ESPNU, which I haven't tuned into that channel in like a few years. So maybe I'll give it a shot. Um, UCLA <laughs> traveling to UW. I believe that's what your exclamation was about. Yeah. Um, this one's prime time, 5:30 on Fo- a big Fox, like like Channel 12 Fox in portland uh huskies by two is the spread right now i believe this oh man opened at um 
Give me just a sec. This opened as basically a pick 'em. It had Washington minus half a point. A lot of public money on UCLA for this one. Um, I don't know, man. I just uh, this might be the first like. I, as much as I hate to say it and as much as I hate to praise them for anything, this might be a home court or home field advantage situation for the Huskies. Uh, UCLA's looked a little bit discombobulated. I mean, they, they did what needed to be done against Arizona, but it was kind of like us. They didn't look stellar. Uh, I don't think they made it to 40 points on them. They scored like 34 or something like that, maybe 38. Um, what are you feeling in this, man? I, I don't know. This, there's bad vibes all around this week, and this game is no different. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's weird. It's definitely weird. Uh, <laughs> That's four and two UCLA and two and three Washington. Who would have Yeah. Played? I mean, I, I don't, you know, I definitely get worried when you hear that much of the public on UCLA's side. And obviously, <laughs> I mean, that's my exclamation is just, you see those records in your, you know, uh, yeah. I think, um, again, we'll shout Josh paid out for the thousandth time on this podcast. He said something really interesting, though, about betting lines and why the public struggles so much. Um, and he said it's because a lot of the public, you know, uh, college football fans' minds work in terms of snapshots. Um and I think that plays a lot into what we see in this game right here. I mean, you think of Washington, it's immediately, for me at least, they lost to Montana, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so that's the team I think of them as. Whereas UCLA, I think they won against LSU, and then I think they played pretty well against Fresno. And and in my mind, I just have them like I, – I, I remember putting that top 20 – little number next to their name and thinking that they were a pretty good team. Uh, and I've, I've said since then, I don't, you know, they're obviously they're unranked for a reason. And I don't think that they're a top 20 team anymore, but in my mind, it's like, well, UCLA was there and Washington lost to an FCS team, but maybe there's something there. I mean, or real quick, ah. before you make your pick, I want to ask, uh, we did our like Pac-12 power rankings and tiers last episode. I think I have the same list in front of me, but I might have modified it for my own article. Uh, are these teams on different tiers for you, or is UCLA at like the top of the same tier that Washington's at the bottom of? Um, I mean, if we're getting into that that much of a gray area, then maybe it doesn't even matter. I think that UCLA should be above them. No, I, I think UCLA is just better than them. I, I do. What What is – I mean, maybe this is biased, but what has Washington shown all year? I see four results that are pretty bad and one good win against very bad Arkansas State. <laughs> you know, um, I point. mean, seriously, they lost to Montana – got absolutely waxed by Michigan. Then they beat Arkansas State big. Then they go to overtime versus that same Cal team we talked about not being very good at home. And then they lost to the Beavs. So the Beavs are solid, but, I mean, they just lost to Washington State. The Beavs aren't like – 
don't know. I mean, I, I think, thought I think the answer is that sneak like, into the top 25, but the beefs aren't world beaters here. Well, this is why I'm asking about tiers because it seems to me that like the, the magic solution to all our like confusion and like muddling and, Oh, did we overreact to Oregon state being good? Did we underreact to Wazoo being bad or whatever? All these teams are just bad. They're just all bad. They're bad. Yeah. So I think a bad Washington team is barely going to beat a bad UCLA team. Yeah, that's probably that's probably the right. Well, no, but I'm taking UCLA. But I think okay. a bad UCLA team is barely going to get beat a, a worse Washington team. All right. All uh, right. I mean, are Husky fans even still showing up to games? Like, oh, I wouldn't know. I <laughs> I'm going to show up to the Husky game. <laughs> Hopefully. Uh, I think a lot of Ducks fans will, hopefully. Um, all right, let's get to the only good game. <laughs> really good game, the by slate. the way. Very good game. Yes, extremely good game. Uh, a game that might be the de facto Pac-12 South like semifinal or even division championship. Uh, the unholy war. The unholy war. I did not know this was such a big rivalry as it is. <laughs> it's what's yeah, the deal it's with funny. that where, it's, it's like a it's kind of a meme but it's uh okay. <laughs> a lot of stuff going on in the pac 12 group chat back and forth with the people from no truck stops and others so it's 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 pretty funny the burner accounts flying around um a lot of good stuff but i think it definitely is growing into a rivalry for sure i mean with usc being down in the south and everyone else being down i mean ucla, I was say, Arizona, UCLA you know? not stepping up like. yeah. <laughs> um these two teams have been kind of the two competent pac-12 south programs for kind of a while now um yep and they're both kind of scrappy fancy themselves like scrappy underdogs a little bit um especially utah fans Gee, i did not realize how annoying utah fans were until oh really I annoying when it, yeah, they they crazy inferiority complex. I I was like we were we were talking about the Utah game and um Nephi Sewell went down with the injury and I was like, "Oh man, that sucks." Like we love Nephi too and they're like you're just claiming Nephi Sewell. It's like I'm not claiming him, but I mean, we like him cuz he's a Sewell. Like I, I didn't want him to get injured. I, um <laughs> Anyways, all that is to say I'm picking Arizona State because I can't stand Utah fans. And I also <laughs> think Arizona State's pretty good. And I also think it would be better for the Ducks if Arizona State um, played well and kept elevating themselves into a top 15 program. All right. Play in your hearts. That's fine in a pick game. Uh, I'm also taking ASU for pretty much all the same reasons. I do think this will be a really fun game to watch. Kind of really shame fun. that it's the after dark game. Maybe in an ideal world, like you switch this with one of the one of the earlier national games. But regardless, um, probably going to be a really good environment there in Rice Eccles. Yeah. It's still called Rice Eccles, right? They didn't like change the name or anything. I believe so. And yeah, I'm I'm excited for that. I think that that's an X factor in it. Um, is how good. Oh, someone's at oh, the door. Jesus. Okay, give me one second. Okay, as you were saying, yeah. So I think that I think that Utah's home field advantage could definitely be an X factor. I mean, because this is a big game for them; they're still undefeated in the conference, and so 
it's an opportunity to reseize the South, which they've controlled outside of the COVID year. They won it in 19. They won it in 18. Um, and after the quarterback change, Utah's looked a lot better as well. So that's that's the X factor. But overall, I mean, I still think that ASU is going to win. Dude, when's the last time ASU won the South? Uh, it's been a long time, man. ASU hasn't done anything in a long time. It's crazy. Like a- ASU fans were starting to talk to me as an Oregon fan. I'm like, when did ASU win anything? Not since the nineties have they won literally anything. Dude, I got it in front of me. Uh, they've only won the PAC 12 South one year and it was in 2013. Uh, yeah. Okay. They made it up to number 11 in the title game before getting thrashed by number seven, Stanford. Uh, that was Tyler Gaffney Stanford. Right, that makes sense. Um, wow, man! And since then, it's been Arizona, USC, Colorado, USC, Utah, Utah, USC. That's great! Wow, every Pac-12 South team has won the South. That's kind of nuts. Yeah, that's funny. Meanwhile, up north, we've had three winners in however many ten years. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's weird how like much it seemed tough to imagine like Oregon state winning just because they haven't in so long. Um, yeah. And then of course there's only one year when the PAC 12 South team has actually won the, the PAC 12 championship right. in 2017 USC narrowly edging Stanford. Um, all right. Enough of a history lesson. We both have ASU in this. Uh, so, wow. I'm, I realized I just picked both Arizona schools and both Washington schools. So on principle, it sounds like I'm going to, I'm going to, you're going to make up some ground on me this week. Um, Let's go. Well, I picked both Arizona schools as well. Yeah, I just that's picked the two California schools instead of the Washington I will say ones. those two are the more, my more confident ones for sure. Uh, those mid Arizona. Games. Yeah. Yeah. The other two are total, total shots in the dark, kind of, in my mind. Honestly, the Utah one is too. Like, I yeah, could true. easily see Utah winning this game. And oh, I forgot my point with the whole, Pac-12 South history lesson thing is that this is a bigger game for Arizona State than I thought, which probably means they're going to lose it. So (laughs) really tempting me to change my pick, but I'll stick with my guns. It's going to be such a good game, though. Like That might be the most exciting, excited I am for a game in this entire slate. I'm kind of hoping for just some chaos elsewhere, and, and we're about to get into that, but Arizona State, Utah is the game that I really have circled where I'm like, I'm sitting down, I'm watching this whole thing. Either yeah, way, there it's going to be an no, interesting result. There are no other Power 5 teams playing at this time. Uh, it's 7 o'clock on ESPN, so tune into that one. It should be good. Uh, all right, man, let's run through some of these national games. We've got, we got a pretty good, pretty underrated slate this week. Yeah. Got a lot of uh, ranked versus ranked matchups. In fact, maybe only like one or two. But anyways, yeah, let's get into it. Uh, one, there's two. Yeah, yeah, I think <laughs> just two. One of them is in this 9 a.m. slate. Uh, we got Oklahoma State visiting Texas. This one's on Big Fox. It's a big noon kickoff. Mm-hmm. Texas trying to rebound from whatever the hell happened last weekend. And uh, Oklahoma State trying to remind people that they're undefeated before they probably lose this game. Yeah. 
Pretty much. I mean, as a as an Oregon fan, you know, if you're rooting for our playoff chances, you're becoming a pretty big Texas fan in general now. <laughs> I mean, they've, you know, knocked themselves out, but I still think that's a pretty good team. And best case scenario for Oregon is Texas wreck shop through the rest of this conference. Uh, and then they get a rematch with Oklahoma. I mean, that's good news for all college football fans because that first game was awesome. Uh, and if we could get a round two of that in a potential Big 12 championship game, sign me up. Uh, so, yeah, this is a chance for an undefeated Power 5 team to go down. Pretty good chance. Um, and I like some things that Texas is doing. Hopefully it doesn't help their recruiting efforts. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I'll root for Texas here. Um, by the way, those those five Oklahoma State wins, if I can read them real quick, uh, Missouri State, Tulsa at Boise, Kansas State at home, and Baylor at home. Yeah. So not terrible, but no solidly like good wins in there. Well, uh, maybe, yeah. I mean, the first two were one possession wins that are kind of head scratchers, but then from there, I mean, decent. Kansas State, yeah. Baylor, Boise State are all solid enough teams. Uh, so. I'll give them some credit. Are they the 12th best team in the country? No. Not in a normal year. <laughs> Maybe this year, but. it's a great way to put it. Uh, Texas is like a, like a five and a half point favorite in that one. Um, right. So we're not crazy. We're, we're, yeah. That's actually what smart people think too. <laughs> oh, no way. You think what Vegas thinks is what smart people think? Breaking <laughs> news, everyone. Um. Florida at LSU is also at this 9 a.m. slot. Uh, yeah. Not super notable, except for the fact that Coach O could get fired. Um, and on the other side of the coin, Florida could lose again, which is always fun. I mean, Coach, Coach O could get fired any second now. I'm ready for the notification to come across my screen personally. Um, but they <laughs> yeah, usually are going to do it on a Monday. So um, Auburn, Arkansas also at this time. Yeah, that'll be interesting uh, for sure. Um, in general, a lot of teams that we think are pretty good in, in spots where there maybe should be some chaos. I mean, that's why I said what I said going into it was Utah, Arizona State's the only one of these games that I have circled where both teams I'm really interested in. Most of the other ones, it's kind of, hey, could this team get tripped up against a team that they should beat? Uh, for instance, UCF Cincinnati, a game we had circled going into the year. Now mm -hmm. it's a 21-point spread um, for Cincinnati, obviously. So you wonder about that. Um, Michigan State know, at Indiana? They, yeah, that's a Party's big one. Undefeated, I mean, yeah. And they got Michigan coming up after this bye week. So we'll see. Um how they're looking, but it's big to survive this one in Indiana. Again, haven't looked great, but you know, they were ranked going into this year. Yeah. You never know when one of those teams can pull out a game where they kind of look like how they're supposed to in preseason expectations and give Sparty a run for their money. Um, a and M I mean, only a hangover game favorite against Missouri. Hangover yeah. Hangover game, game, obviously. Uh, George is one of those that I would be shocked if this, one was close, even though it's one versus eleven, and we talked about this on the last pod. Hold on, hold on, twenty-three hold on. You're, points. You're just spread. gonna read. You're just gonna skip over Yale and UConn like that. I mean, <laughs> this this could be like the worst FBS game of all time. 
And we thought that last. Well, yet I guess Yale. Yale FBS. isn't even FBS. Yeah. Still. What I okay? UConn could be the worst FBS team of all time. How about that? There's a lot of UConn hate, man. Bro, they haven't won a game. <laughs> they just <laughs> lost to UMass. <laughs> you have to try to be bad to lose to UMass. Um. Yeah. Okay. You were talking about Georgia. Uh, Kentucky at Georgia is the big 1230 game. Um, unless, of course, you're more interested in Arizona, Colorado, like like us Pac-12 sickos. Um, I think it says a lot about Georgia that the number, what is Kentucky, 10 or something like that, 11? Mm-hmm. But the number whatever team Kentucky is can come into 11. Athens and still be, um, what is it, 22 and a half point dogs in this game? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. game day is going to be there because they got lazy, I guess. Couldn't where else would else they to be? Go. Yeah. Uh, maybe Tennessee or something. I would love for them to go to Arizona, Utah. I, I think that's the best game, honestly. I, re- I honestly and think they, it might be. Yeah. I mean, really, what else would be? Like, it, can't I mean, go to Texas Oklahoma State, week. Texas, they can't go back to. Same with TCU, Oklahoma after last week. Pate's going to Old Miss, Tennessee. That'll be a good game. Yeah, Tennis, Old Miss only favored by three. Um, so that could be fun. Um, but, I mean, I, I really think Arizona State-Utah is the best game this week. Uh, and I think we could still – you know, Utah, after this quarterback change, they lost to two not terrible teams, like we said, San Diego State and BYU. And Arizona State lost to BYU, too. Yeah. I don't know. I'd like to see game day go to kind of a a more remote location than go to the same place twice. You know what I mean? Even when it's Eugene, sometimes I'm like, eh, really? Like, can't you give like some group of five teams some love or something? What? Not when it's Eugene. There was one year where we had it like three times in the season. (laughs) Like, I don't need that. I'm here for it. No, we need it at least once though. I don't think Fast. we're going to get it this year unless it's Oregon State. I was Oregon just going to say that. Yeah, maybe the Beavs. Ooh, ooh, that could be interesting. But they spoiled it last weekend. Hey, know. man, they could, you know, they could climb back up there. Uh, um, anyways, uh, more midday games. Um, Purdue at Iowa, probably yep. not a good game, but who knows, maybe Iowa shits themselves. Uh, BYU at Baylor, kind of interesting. little Big 12 preview for BYU. Um, yeah. Pitt at Virginia Tech is a sleeper game, man. Is Pitt still undefeated? I think they are. I think they no, are. No, no, dude. They lost oh, to no, Western Michigan. Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah, you don't remember? It was in week three. Uh, they lost to Western Michigan. But other than that, they're like – I think they're leading that division, the ACC Coastal. So That's uh, funny because everyone's saying Pitt's good, but – it's more of a not. meme than anything. I mean, Pitt in general is just like a giant meme to the pack to the uh, college football like media landscape. Yeah, um, that's true. Yeah, I don't see anything out Miami UNC. If you're gross, uh, Bama, 4 PM games, Bama, Miss Bama. State. Yeah, that's the big one. TCU South, Oklahoma. Things get really crazy. TCU Oklahoma. I have that circled going in. If Oklahoma makes it out of this, though, they're they're hopefully pretty impressive it. all of a sudden. Um, it's pretty much it, though. Ole Miss, Tennessee, uh, Ole Miss, like Tennessee said. yeah. Stanford yeah. Wazoo's at that time. UCLA is going to be on later at that time. So I guess not at that time, but later. Uh, Iowa State, remember them? Shit, I feel like we haven't talked about them in weeks. 
Uh, they play why. on the road at Kansas State. Yeah, I wonder why. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe something to keep an eye on if you're if you're really gross. Or it, it's one of those games that like maybe you turn it on because it's a close game towards the end of it. You know. Right. Yeah. Um, NC yeah. State at Boston College. I feel the same way about. Nothing else really notable on here. Yeah, it's uh, not a crazy schedule, but we've had some really good Saturdays recently. Obviously, last Saturday. Well, I'm excited. Man. Just monitor something crazy is going to happen. And then we have a really good nightcap with Arizona state, Utah is how I'm looking at it. So, and and all these back 12 games are worth watching for ducks fans, especially. Yeah, totally. All right, man. Good work. Uh, So real quick, do you want to do some fraud watch? I I totally forgot about this segment until five seconds ago. Mm. Who's on fraud, fraud watch this week uh fraud watch fraud watch i think uh there's a lot i think michigan state's on fraud watch i'm sorry but oklahoma still oh both oklahoma schools are on fraud watch for me i know oklahoma's supposed to be good now that they have caleb williams but i don't trust them i mean said it last week but let's remember oklahoma still has not beaten an fbs opponent by more than seven points. Wow. So that's a great stat. We're we're gonna have to cool them. And they haven't been going through a murderous row exactly. I mean, I love my two lane green wave, but <laughs> they've they've not a great result. Nor is West Virginia, nor is Kansas State. Texas two lane play this week. Oh, and Nebraska's all right, but Tulane have a bye week. Good for them. They need it. We're um Look, Tulane, you're gonna you're gonna forget about us for a little bit, and then you know what's gonna happen when Cincy comes. To oh town. baby, oh baby, um, that would be <laughs> one and five Tulane. <laughs> God, that's that's tough. For the, for as well as they played Oklahoma and all the circumstances that were going on in that opener, yeah, they they really taken a nosedive. Uh, I still see. Yeah. A- Slim path to bowl eligibility, though, you know. Maybe, uh, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know what schedule you're looking at. I mean, they're assuming they beat Cincy at home. I mean, UCF looks beatable. Tulsa, you know. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sure. Um, SMU is going to be a tough one too, though. I mean, you got to yeah, you got SMU's ranked SMU and Cincy. And go undefeated from there on out. But hey, maybe, maybe. SMU is ranked, yeah. Um, North Texas right. and Marshall, only noting it because they're two teams that I'm pretty sure I thought were the same up until I started paying attention like a few years ago. <laughs> Just because they right were on. the same shade of green. Yeah, that's all I got. All Sick. right, man. Uh, Catch it. We'll probably record after Saturday, you think? Um, Friday. All right. It's another Friday game. I don't know. Let's keep in communication about that, hopefully publicly, so that people can follow along. But um, I'd imagine Saturday. Let us know if you have a big preference. If you're like, I would love to have this in my feed Saturday morning, we could potentially do that. But also, if you want to know our thoughts on the rest of the games, we'd probably just hold off till Saturday night. So, could also yeah, do both, way. probably. Too many yeah. episodes. Who knows? We got a lot of options. There you go. here. Uh, all right, Reed. Anything else you got to say? Nope. Me neither. 
Go Ducks. Go Ducks.